Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to We Watched a Thing. You've got B Dizzle and Topher here with you. How you doing, my friend? I'm fine. Um, who are you again? I'm B Dizzle. Okay. I thought we'd establish that. You're just jealous because you don't have a cool nickname. Yep, that's what it is. Do you want me to start again? No, no, no. This is good. Okay. All right. <laughs> Your choice. I'm happy for you to live with it. And what else are you doing this week, buddy? I don't know. Well, I was, I was, I was leading into the fact that you've chosen what we're watching this week, but I probably didn't. I didn't do that very well, did I? Oh, I thought you were just like asking what I was up to. Well, what have you been up to? <laughs> Nothing, man. Yep. <laughs> like been spending money at the hardware shop because apparently when you buy a house, you then just spend all your money on it. Yeah, I know. And you don't even know what at the end of the day, do you? No. Like you look back at your house two weeks later and you're like, what's different? My bank account is lower. <laughs> My bank account's lower. I can't tell that the gutters are clean. Like I know they are because I did it. Like from ground level, they look the same. Well, that's a silly thing to waste your time on because you can't really see the inside of your gutters, can you? Is, is the fact that it's less of a fire risk worth doing it? Uh, do I need to clean my gutters? Nah, mate. Nah, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Famously, very few fires in Australia. You know, I spent like an entire like three, four hours cleaning my barbecue the other week. About six months ago, I found a rat in there, but we'll cut over that bit. So anyway, I, I cleaned the crap out of this thing. Go to fire it up. Won't turn on. Whole barbecue's dead. Have to chuck it out. What's the lesson, kids? Don't uh, clean stuff. Don't do anything. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, my friend? Uh, throwback time. Uh, this time we're on a treasured film of mine that you haven't seen. And for anyone that can believe it, Billy has not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, hadn't seen. I have now. I have. I've seen it. Um, I, I, I just like to pick a bone with you quickly. I remember the last time we did a throwback. I can't remember exactly what the film was. I remember you hated it, as you have with the majority of the films I brought to the table. Oh, it was Tommy sure. Boy. Yep. And I put the challenge to you to choose something that you knew was bad. Do you think that you met that promise? No, I, I actually remembered that when, when it was time to do this week's episode and I hadn't put any thought into it. And so I just skipped it, hoping you would have forgotten. Well, I haven't forgotten. So, I'm very disappointed. Okay. So, I want that to stand for the next throwback. Sure. Al although, spoiler alert, this film isn't very good, is it? You dreadful <laughs> human. <laughs> Did I get you? I got you, didn't I? <sighs> All right. Raiders of the Lost Ark, later marketed as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, is a 1981 American action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Lawrence Kasdan from a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. It, of course, stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, John Rhys-Davies, and Denham Elliott. And what is it about, Topher? It's about the search for the Lost Ark. That's right. And the, the raiders of said arc. Well, you don't, it's something that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. And in this instance, the wrong hands be Nazis. I think, gen I think Nazis would generally be the wrong hands for like anything, wouldn't they? Mostly, yeah. You don't want them, you don't want them getting their hands on much. So you obviously love this film. Absolutely. 
was today a a reviewing after a long time, or had you seen it pretty recently? Uh, it was fairly recent still, yep. Still crack out, Rage of the Lost Ark, reasonably regularly, because I don't think there is a more enjoyable film for me personally. Like, for just the sheer pure enjoyment of cinema, this is probably top of the heap for me. So, would you say you watch it, like, once a year? Yeah, probably something like that. I'm going to have to agree with you in a lot of ways. And one thing that I just have to say is this movie, and I can confirm this now, having seen it now and not having seen it as a child, it doesn't matter. Something about this movie makes you feel like a kid. Is that the feeling you get from it? Like, when you watch it, you feel like you're a kid again? Well, it does for me, but I, it's probably impossible for me to say whether that is an effect of the film or because- so much of my childhood cinema experience has to do with this film. Yeah. So, I like, I probably can't separate that, really. I can confirm that for me, certainly, I felt like a kid watching this film today, even though I'd, I hadn't seen it in my childhood. It wasn't- it's, And I don't, I don't know what it is. It's fun. It's bright. And, it, like, it feels like movies of our childhood. And I'm going to hit the bingo here. They don't make movies like this anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's only been one other experience I've had like watching this film where I felt like a kid again, and that was the first parts of the Caribbean film. There's something about adventure movies for me. I think I must have maybe it's the fact that I rewatched The Princess Bride like a million times a day as a kid. Yeah, I think you bang you bang on with adventure films, I think. Yeah. I think that's pretty universal that we we humans en masse do like getting swept up in a tale. Yeah. So um, in my opinion, Ford as Indy trumps Ford as Han, if I'm honest, by some distance. I think Ford owns this role to a stupid degree. Yeah, this was this was one of my notes I had written down was to ask you, Indy or Han. I agree. And do you know what I think it is? I don't think Harrison Ford is actually that great as an actor. And- I think he's just a smug prick, which is why he plays smug pricks really well. He's got great, probably, like, I'd say the same thing about Will Smith, great screen presence. Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah. And not not that I think there's that much acting required in uh, Han Solo anyway, but I think the character of Indiana Jones is probably closer to who he is in reality, so I think it is easier for him to play. And I, I tell you what I did notice this time, though. I've heard a lot of people make fun of the Harrison Ford mumble, and I don't think I'd really notice it until he was an old man, but my God, is he mumbling his way through this film. I honestly had to watch really closely to try to tell which lines were dubbed and weren't, because everything seemed dubbed, because no matter what environment he was in, he was just talking like this. Which, for the character of Indy, actually really works, because he's supposed to be so cool and calm. That's his method. Don't knock it. One of my favourite shots in the film, actually. I mean, the entire film, the cinematography is is brilliant and it does just evoke that adventure and that childhood joy that Spielberg films do. But there are some great little pieces early on in the very opening scene when he's swapping the idol out and he just subtly takes out a handful of sand and drops it. Oh, because, what a shot. Because he knows, he knows that there's too much sand in there and he can, he can tell before picking the idol up how heavy it's going to be because he's so confident in himself. It's a great little setup by Spielberg in just a way to show 
that the pieces are moving around in his head. It's such a great, efficient bit of filmmaking. It takes, like, how long's that shot? Three seconds? Oh, yeah. And it tells you all you need to know. And then three seconds, you know, three seconds after that, when he's crouched down in front of it, and there's just this stunningly unsubtle bit of lighting where there's this golden glow straight on Indy's face, which, like, obviously the thing, the thing's metal. It doesn't actually glow itself. It makes no sense. It's completely unsubtle and it's completely fucking perfect. Yeah, which happens so many times in the film. The scene where he's got the um, the staff, you know, guiding to where on the temple he needs to go. It's exactly the same. That ridiculous light which appears from the staff makes no sense in reality whatsoever. No, it doesn't. But it, it's just it's just nice. <laughs> also, with the way that the sun changes position in the sky throughout the seasons, that should only work on one day of the- or one or two days of the year. Yeah. But, you know, who cares? And also, that sun moves extremely fast, doesn't it? It does. The way that light is moving down, it's like someone teasing a cat with a laser pointer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned it kind of right from the start with this character. I don't know if there's a better pairing of actor and costume in film history than Harrison Ford in in Indy's clothes. About 25 minutes into the film, there's a shot when he's he's about to meet Marion for the first time in the film. And we get his shadow on a wall. And this is 25 minutes into a film. We haven't been with this character for that long. But it's a, it's like an instantly iconic image. Yeah, I noticed the exact shot you're talking about. And it's brilliant because when I studied animation, one of the first things you learn is when you're designing a character, one of the most important things to consider is the silhouette. Because that's what makes the character identifiable. If you can see the shape and the outline of a character without any detailing or shading and you know who it is, that's good character design. Like classic example, Mickey Mouse. And- it is, it is something that isn't taken into consideration a whole lot with film design. And I guess there's a reason for that. It's, you know, characters from film tend to be not as exaggerated and, and iconic, but it is such a nice piece of design, his entire outfit. We're not talking about Steve Rogers emerging from the darkness when we meet him for the first time in Infinity War. Like, this is 25 minutes into this character's first film. Yeah. And already, just bang. Speaking of Marion, though, I have to ask, because maybe I missed something. Is Indy a complete scumbag? Was he banging a child? I've heard this brought up before, and uh, I don't think we are supposed to take literally when Marion says, I was a child. I don't think she's saying, I was 14. I think she means, I was a kid. But- isn't she the child of one of his contemporaries? No, not a contemporary, no. No? So it was more like a mentor or something? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Okay. I think that I think they did work together, Indy and her father, but that's not how their relationship started. Okay. All right. I have no I have no doubt that he was older, but I can't really imagine like do you, I don't I don't know about you. I don't think George Lucas and Steven Spielberg sat around planning out their movie and going, you know, you know what it'd be a, an interesting character <laughs> thing to do? I don't think that's what they were going for. The opening of the film, I love the the complete lack of subtlety about it. Yeah. Like when when old mate when um Alfred Molina in I believe his first film credit, after he gets 
skewered. And Indy bumps into him again and his face kind of turns to him. Like, it's just, it's almost like some early Peter Jackson level, oh, fuck it, why not? Yes, yeah. And like, just the the bonkers level of spider webs and spiders because, sure. Yeah, the kind of exaggerated- um skeleton basically of, of Alfred model like, like he just got skewered a couple of seconds ago and now he's basically a zombie he's half decomposed yeah um that follows through later on when they're down in the the well and Marion has all those skeletons fall out at her <laughs> yep is it just me or are the skeletons actually screaming where are all of those scream sound effects coming from I suppose yeah that begs the question is that what Marion is hearing or is that sound effect as score, effectively? Yeah, it was an interesting scene for me because I was like, they're not, they don't seem to actually be attacking her. My impression is that they've just kind of fallen on her and they don't seem to be actively moving. But they are kind of almost zombieing towards her. Yeah, they're almost kind of- Like, there's no way that's what a skeleton does. No, no. But uh, And I wasn't sure whether that's intentional as in, are they supposed to be zombie-like creatures or or is this just really just going over the top with- how cool is this? <laughs> yeah, I think it very much is just placed in the folder of this will be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that just informs you in the space of seconds. In in the opening, he escapes from the boulder and he's faced with Belloc. And Belloc says to him, again, we see. Three words. In three words, you've skipped needing to have a back and forth of, oh, yeah, this is like this time, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Just, again, we see, boom, we know there's a relationship here, on with the story. And because that guy plays Belloc really well, you just, you hate him straight away. Oh, there are some hateable people in this film. What about that Slugworth-looking motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He is a creepy, creepy dude. I read somewhere, I, I can't remember what the number is, but- the amount of actual lines he has in the film is shockingly small. Yeah, the I amount know that. that you like, you think of him as being one of the two main villains of the film. He has sod all lines. He's awesome, though. He's so good. Yeah, I think the efficiency you're talking about also comes through when he is reunited with Marion. There's very little actual exposition there about their past, other than a few lines here or there. And sure, it might leave some questions about. You know, Indy's um, legal. You know, the legality of his relationships, <laughs> but it it's it's also very effective. You know, the, the entire film is less than two hours, which is so rare. <laughs> when you think of the amount of action set pieces, it's stunning that it fits into the time that it does. Yeah, it is interesting actually. I looked up the because uh, I was reading Wikipedia. The plot segment for this film is maybe three or four sentences because. So much of the film is taken up with action, um, which is actually really rare. Even most action films will have paragraphs upon paragraphs of detail about the plot, but this is just straight into it. Karen Allen's introduction to the film as Marion is so it's it's so good. It's one of those great Spielberg one shots that you don't realize you're watching a one shot. This is the the drinking game. Yeah, yeah. Which, until it was pointed out to me in some video I was watching, it had never occurred to me before that that was a single shot. The whole scene is just the camera goes to this, to this, to this. It changes from being an establishing shot to a mid-shot as Spielberg is just unrivaled 
at doing. And Alan is just the her screen charisma is just banging at the top of the needle. She is so completely fantastic in this role. Yeah, does she return in the other indies? I don't know if you want me to tell you or not. I do. She's in Indiana Jones and the Amazing Plastic Skull. Are you serious? That's the only one she's in? Yeah, because um, Temple of Doom is a prequel. Really? So she was never likely to be in that one. Huh. Again, with the um, <laughs> the complete lack of subtlety, anytime a bad guy is introduced in this film, it's so apparent that they're a bad guy. For instance, here's some Nazis. Let's not spend any time figuring out how we feel about them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty easy to know Nazis are no good. <laughs> they're definitely bad eggs. Um, that's a guy with an eye patch. <laughs> Probably not a good dude. Um, Balok is French. <laughs> Despite all the um, like the almost shortcuts that the film takes, or just the sheer efficiency of what it does in a lot of scenes, there's one scene which is just five minutes of pure exposition, and somehow it's one of the most enjoyable scenes in the film. This is when the two guys come to the museum or the university and are asking Indy, what is the Ark? Where is this professor? And one of the things that sells it so well, I think, and I think to, to Harrison Ford's credit, it's, it's on him, because he gets more interested and more invested in the scene as the scene goes along and kind of pulls, I think, the audience with him. I agree. And that scene also does a lot of setting up for his character. That scene is quite early on, and that's, that's your introduction to Professor Indy. Exactly. So you get to see that different side of him, not just, you know, because for all you know from the opening scene, he he's a pillager, a plunderer, a grave robber, effectively. But when you see that he's a researcher as well, first and foremost, that that I think is what really gets you on his side, I think. I mean, you're already on his side because the other side are Nazis, but- <laughs> And French. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it helps- you know, the um, the classroom scene that, that precedes this scene we're talking about um, with the, the, the classroom full of young women, one of them, because I grew up with this film taped on VHS off the television, I didn't know what was written on her eyelids. Like, I honestly don't know how many times I saw this film. Like, basically nose pressed up against the telly, <laughs> trying to figure out what the seven pixels that made up her eyes said. So, I was in the same state he's in. I was very much in step with Indy as a, as a six-year-old. <laughs> Which I bet made you just feel cool because you basically think you're Indiana Jones. So, the film won quite a few Oscars and was nominated for quite a few more. Like, for a film like this- Yeah, it this, was up for Best Picture. It was up for Best Picture, up for Best Director. Um- I think this was one of the first times that they gave an award for sound effects design. The sound design in the film is really, really good. With the exception of the scene where Marion is being held and Bullock lets her have some food. And I watched, because I was watching the film with headphones on, it's like they had a microphone in her mouth while she's chewing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really, really distracting. For like the full five-minute scene, there is a lot of lip-smacking and swallowing sounds going on, and I just don't understand the choice to include that in there. 
And that, I mean, that might be the worst sound in the world. Oh, it really threw me off. I honestly, I had to turn the film off for about 10 minutes just to like recoup myself because I thought I was, I thought I was going to hurl. Like it, it is so loud when you wear it. I want you to watch that scene with headphones on and tell me if you don't experience the exact same thing. Well, speaking of getting sick, basically everyone involved in this film did, in fact, get sick. When they were filming in, now I can't remember if it was Tunisia or Namibia. But they all got deli belly. Can, 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 can I just say Africa? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can if you'd like to be discriminatory. Um, Spielberg was aware that, like, everyone's going to get sick. But, and everyone, like, we can work around everyone getting sick. But I can't get sick. So he, I believe, brought with him, like, shopping cart volumes of tinned food. <laughs> and that's what he lived off. Wow. For, for the shoot. And everyone else got sick, apart from Spielberg. That's crazy. That scene where, um, you know, when, when Sulla leaves Indy down in the map room? Yeah, yeah. And he, kind of, he gets kind of half found out. He, um... He so- he soils himself in that scene, in real life, like John Reese Davies. Really, he f- he filled his breeches just because of the deli belly. Oh man, that's oh. And so there were days where like like production was hell. Production wasn't a ton of fun. I gather it was it was stinking hot because they're in um as you know Africa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the scenes like yeah you know, the famous shooting the swordsman scene. That was meant to be Indy with his whip up against this guy with a sword. But it's getting late in the day. Everybody's just ruined. Yeah. And Harrison Ford says, what if I just shoot him? <laughs> and Spielberg was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's do that and get out of here. Hashtag Indy shot first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Reese davies does hold maybe my favourite moment of the entire film, actually. You know when they've um they're they've just they're doing their their excavation, and they open that tomb where the ark is, and there's a there's a lightning strike I think it is that yeah, yeah. that illuminates the statue and John Reese Davies does this, Gah! <laughs> yeah, and I just I love it so much. <laughs> I want it to be my ringtone. <laughs> Next time you call me, I just want to hear Gimli going, Gah! I'm I'm going to make that a reality for you. I'm I'm going to send that to you as a file that you can make a ringtone. I love it. <laughs> um, speaking of the ark, so the ark is described in some detail in the Bible, and the ark in this film is pretty bang on. They pretty much just did it. That's pretty cool. When they're when they're trying to find the ark, you you do have to question how on earth they expected to get away with. Their excavation, which is like a hundred meters from the Nazis' excavation, were yeah. they not going to notice? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the whole time it's happening, there's you know there's that awesome silhouette shot with the yeah you know, the sun setting and they're digging away and the scores being awesome. But part of me's like, yeah, this this is a doomed effort, people. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> uh, because I hadn't seen the film, I I was expect this is going to sound really dumb. I, I was expecting a little bit more water stuff because I thought the Ark was Noah's Ark. 
<laughs> so I, I was I was expecting maybe some more animal bones, <laughs> um, like that whole kind of deal. <laughs> Speaking of animals, I um, geez, I love the difference in when when Indy goes down into that pit versus when Marion does. Indy goes down, and you know the cobra rears up, and he just he freezes in place. Yeah. And then next time it happens, exact same thing. And Marion's just like, ah, fuck! Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marion, who, for reasons unknown, is in a slinky white dress. Yeah, that whole thing, that wouldn't fly today. No, it's it's dumb. Yeah, you couldn't have a scene where you just, for absolutely zero reason, get a woman into, what, like, wedding lingerie, I'd describe it, it as? Yeah, yeah. It's it's no good. We had Marion in reasonably functional clothing, and yes. that was actually fine. Yeah. You brought up the score earlier. Now, I'm going to tick off another Billy Bingo. Really fucking good score. Up there with the top of all time. I was thinking just yesterday um, about your your recent call that you think that the Titanic score is the greatest of all time. I do. I think Titanic's I, better than this. I think the ways in which this is superior to Titanic- and probably every other score ever is clear as day. This actually is my favourite film score. Yeah, and and the thing about it is that it really is a score. Like, there are, there are different tracks here that are completely different. And yet, you know, like, the love theme for Indy and Marion, um, without having seen the film, I recognised that piece of music. You know, like, it's not just the, the big opening, duh, 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 which obviously everybody knows. Like, the entire score is so effective and so strong in this film. From the time they that Indian Marion do escape the snake pit with skeleton zombies, I mean, there's still a chunk of the film left at this point. Over an hour. That That's, there's, that's before the yeah. halfway mark. And- the rest of the the second half of the film is seriously short on dialogue. Yes. It's just the music tells the story brilliantly and Spielberg's execution tells the story. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the exact quote is, but I did read something that Steven Soderbergh said about Raiders of the Lost Ark that it was along the lines of Spielberg had forgotten more about staging before he made his first film than I will ever know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's it's true. He like because th- this is really a pretty early Spielberg film, really. He's a freak. Like and in his um as I understand it, when Spielberg does uh storyboards, he has what lens the camera will have on it written at the bottom of the storyboard. And or what, hearing one director of photography that had worked with him was like, if the lens that he has selected just in his as he's imagined it on the storyboard is not the one that we use, that is rare. Wow. He just has such an understanding of, of action in relation to the camera that just is on a level that... Pro- like, I mean, Spielberg's not my favourite director ever, but... I don't know that there's anyone who I enjoy more the outcomes of their film staging. Yeah. yeah. From that aspect of directing, he's just on a level all of his own. The fact that he does that and gets the lenses right, that's nuts. I'm like, you remember that there's that story of Kevin Smith tells the story about when Bruce Willis realised on set that Kevin Smith doesn't know 
what the different lenses are. Yeah, yeah. When he was trying to probe him on, you know, how many mils and Kevin's like, yeah. you know, this one. He's like, what's the shot? Uh, this this wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> D- different, different sorts of filmmakers, though. <laughs> do you know what else is, co- along with the arc, do you know what else is- is accurate and cool. At the end, when the cherubim attack the Nazis, cherubim going back to their their roots are terrifying creatures. They're not the they're not the plump little babies that that just hang out on clouds. Like they're fucking scary. <laughs> and this film is probably the most accurate portrayal of the cherubim that we've ever seen. Just whooping about messing shit up. <laughs> Would you describe any part of this film as a romance? Well, sure. There's that scene on the boat. Well, where, you know, well, where doesn't it hurt? That's actually that's actually quite a nice moment. I mean, it's not a very believable love, is it? It's it's more believable than I don't know. Let me try and think. Oh, Titanic. Nah, see, that's that's where that's where I was going. You crap on Titanic. This is this makes so much less sense than Titanic. He's basically abusive to her. Both both Indy and Marion are such magnetic characters that I can see them just not being able to keep their hands off each other. No. No way. Not a chance would these two have a relationship in real life. I don't I don't even believe it on screen. I, that's the one element of the film that doesn't work for me is as as wonderful as I think these two actors are separately, I don't get any chemistry from them together. I really find that quite stunning. I just don't. And the score the score helps because the score is so good. And as I mentioned, like their love theme. But I just, I just don't buy that these two people even like each other. <laughs> well, a lot of the time they don't, which actually I think even sells it more. I just love to death the very end of this film. And it was probably because, and it's probably the first time watching it as a kid, where not everything in a movie I was watching got completely neatly tied up in a bow, where the arc is just shelved by the government. It's a beautiful and, shot, and that's it. Oh, how good is the shot? The use of matte painting. I'm sure you know that that entire space is 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 a matte painting. No, I, I believe it's in North Africa. <laughs> no, that. Like honestly, the entire warehouse is 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 painted on a pane of glass. Which just the amount of detail in that is ridiculous. It's so um, good, and it's such a great shot. And it like it's so it almost feels out of place in this grand adventure movie to have what feels like not a political statement, but it's it's a really nice touch to the end of the film. I think so. You obviously love this film. Is this a ten from you? It is a stone cold 10 out of 10. Wow. Every so often, there's a couple of days a year where I can just, you know what? I'm going to ignore the white savior stuff. I'm going to ignore like, why on earth is she in this slinky dress? I'm just going to sit down and enjoy the shit out of this movie. Wow. That's, that, that's nice. That makes me feel really nice for you that you like a movie so much. For me, it's a two. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Boy is better, and it's just- I mean, honestly, this movie just doesn't age well. It's just- it's not- I wouldn't recommend it to people to watch today. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm a, I'm a seven. I, I think this is a really, really good film. Perhaps if I'd seen it as a kid, I would have the same love for it you do. But for me, and this is, I know that you're going to rag on me, but the indie of my childhood is Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, which I find infinitely, obviously not as well-crafted, score is not as good, but I find it more fun, probably just because it's, it's, the adventure film of my childhood of this ilk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, this is a seven. Really enjoyed it. Would definitely recommend it. And like I said, I don't, a- apart from possibly the deep love you have, I don't feel like I missed too much by coming to it this late. I still, it still gave me that tingly, fun feeling of like being a kid again. So yeah, definitely recommend. All right, Billy, what are we talking about next week? Wow, that fe- that felt weird. I don't think I've ever had you ask me. You've forgotten what we're watching, haven't you? Stop avoiding the question. You don't know what we're watching. Stop (laughs) avoiding the question. Next week, my friend, we are catching up with some old friends from 10 years ago as they kill some zombies. Next week, we have Zombieland 2 Double Tap, which I'm I'm actually really looking forward to. Are you? Yeah, I am. The trailer looks fun. Um, First film is a ton of fun. Yep, I'm keen. So, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show and make us watch something that you cherished as a child, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie. Waka waka waka, what's up my dudes? Welcome back to We Watched a Thing. It's your boys B Dizzle and the Toafmeister. How you doing, bud? Yep, can ask you to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>